there, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. This is your host, Laura Camacho, and I am recording from my home in Charleston, South Carolina. We have a very cool guest today. His name is AJ Vassar, and he is one of these people who has literally gone from rags to riches. He's really good. What we're going to talk about today is mindset. We're going to talk about taking any situation that you're facing and making it better. Just today, I was coaching this young woman in a tech company. She's a software engineer. She's just in this really yucky situation where it's a lot of factors going on at the same time, including the economy and including the situation with her specific company. And none of the alternative courses of action look really good. So Sometimes you get in those situations and sometimes you're just exhausted from working so hard. You know, life is hard. So we're going to talk to AJ about mindset and I really want you to listen. One of his messages is he's going to talk to us about how to transform yourself into a person worth hearing. And I've always said you've got to give people a reason to want to listen to you. That mostly people are distracted. They want to know what's for lunch. They don't want to have to think. And sometimes it's hard to adapt a very technical message to that kind of format or sharing news that people don't want to hear. So those are the things that we're going to talk about today, some life hacks involved. And I want you to know this is sponsored by Mixonian Institute. And the new website is www.speakupwithlaura.com. I changed that from mixonian.com because nobody can spell mixonian. And by the way, mixonian is now 14 years old. It's a teenage institution and it's all about making communication better. It's all about helping highly conscientious high performers get the recognition they deserve Or if you're listening, the recognition you deserve, because we all know that speaking up is hard, but you have to do it in order to reach your career goals. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our guest, AJ. So AJ, welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. We're excited to have you. And I understand that you are calling from Medellin, Colombia, even though you're from the United States. So tell us about your journey from Illinois. I know you come from a disadvantaged family, low resource home, and now you're this big shot international business coach is going to tell us how we can make our lives better. Tell us a little bit about that journey. So I definitely don't think I'm a big shot yet. <laughs> Still working towards that. But for me, growing up how I grew up, I didn't even realize I was disadvantaged. I just grew up with everyone else. It wasn't until you start getting around others that you start to find out that, okay, my life is a little different than theirs and they don't have some of the same struggles that I have. What's very interesting about learning that is finding out that everybody has their own set of struggles, Right. And coming from disadvantage or coming from advantage, we all have struggles. So it was great for me to see that from friends that had money, that had, you know, several houses and they still have problems too. So I started realizing that everybody has problems. It just comes with it. So I'm the oldest of eight children from a single parent household. And that was my life. I think one of the most memorable Christmases I had, I think I turned 13 and my sister, Tricia, wrapped up my favorite outfit and gave it back to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we didn't have a uh, we didn't have enough money for Christmas, so it was cool because I was looking for that outfit. So I was like, <laughs> You're like, "That's where it is." Oh, that's funny. I got that's it. funny. Yeah. So life has been good to me as I look over it. I think some of the harder times from having to sleep in my car to I remember a time in 2012 having to eat out of a trash can. Oh, my goodness. You know, all of those are the best parts of my story now. You know, this is what I had to tell my mother. Everybody wants to create an incredible story, but not go through the lows to make their story incredible. That's so true. Everybody wants to go to the Super Bowl game, but showing up at the 5 a.m. practice, not so much. Exactly. Exactly. So I just learned a lot of stuff when I was in my car during my lifetime that's helped me change my life. And I just try to share some of those learnings with others to help them out and just realize that no matter your situation, we're all going to do stuff. It's so true. So true. I just want to interject something, a couple of things. First of all, my mom also grew up in a single parent household and we didn't know we were poor until later. We were just living our lives. Yeah, you just live. You just live. I remember I didn't realize our electricity was cut off, but we had a camp out in front of the stove one night. As I got older, I realized because we didn't have heat the rest of the house, so everybody slept in the kitchen. You know, but we just made it a game. Like, cool, we get to sleep in the kitchen. Like, Oh, my goodness. Well, that's funny. Yeah, and on the other end of the spectrum, you know, about how everybody has problems. My husband is a violinist and he teaches a lot of kids. And he was once teaching these kids from this family. So catch this, AJ. The parents both graduated from Harvard. I think they were like, you know, what do they call it? Legacy, like their parents and their grandparents had gone to Harvard. Both had worked as models. Okay. So they got the money to go to Harvard tall, good looking, and they had just as many problems. You know, they they're struggling with depression and anxiety and all kinds of things. And you were like, oh, you won the lottery at birth, but still life is hard regardless, isn't it? It is. That's one thing that I try to tell people now, because I deal with people that by all rights, successful, have been successful with families. And they're like, AJ, I feel bad. And I'm like, why? And they're like, <laughs> I didn't struggle. Like, I, And I'm like, no parent wants their child to struggle. It's not your fault you didn't go through hard times. That's a blessing and as well, right? Set the next generation up not to go through hard times, right. right? The old is to make sure no one has to go through hard times in that sense of not having, right? You're still going to have your hard times in life, but the not having part, that's something we can control. Right. And sometimes because we haven't gone through hard times, we often have, I think, mistaken expectations for what life is supposed to be like. And just this morning, I was talking to a client who asked me, Laura, I just want to know where I can get a job that will make me happy. And I said, uh, jobs don't make you happy. <laughs> no, no, no job. <laughs> that That's not how it works. <laughs> Sorry. No, not at all. Once you learn to become happy on your own, and I think happiness comes through progress, some of the happiest times I had was actually in my car because I saw myself progressing and I stopped looking at where I was and I started looking from where I was. And I always told myself, this is going to make a great yep. story. Even in my lowest despair, I was like, this is going to make a great story. I'm a professional barber by trade. 
And one of the things that I realized was all the times that I had a house, I never took care of my grooming as much as I did when I was sleeping out of my car. Because <laughs> I just took it for granted. Like, I could do it when I went. But when I'm in my car, I don't want to show people any right. signs. So I would get up. I would go to Gold's Gym in the morning. I would take a shower. I would groom myself. I would shave. I would do all that. And I started realizing this is the best she ever looked. That's amazing. That is so cool. I'm in the communication business and you're kind of in the transformation business. So there's some overlap there. But, you know, people come to me for training about getting people to listen to them. They're like, Laura, you know, they're not listening. They say, I'm just talking too much. And you make a claim about transforming yourself into a person worth hearing or listening to. So tell me, what does that mean? Give me an example. And you got a bunch of brainiacs listening. They're wondering, so AJ, how can I make myself, when I speak, people listen. So the first thing I would say is make sure that you're listening to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the great point. That's the first way to put yourself in a position to be the person that people listen to. Do I listen to myself, right? Nietzsche has a quote that has really transformed my life. It says, he who cannot obey himself will be commanded. Ooh. And so what do you mean by obeying yourself, like getting up early? Right. Whatever I tell myself, right? Number one, I want to make sure that it fits in with my values. So if I know I'm not going to get up early, don't tell myself I'm going to get up early. But whatever I do tell myself, I want to have integrity with myself. So once I say it, it's done. There's no question because I listen to me right? Once we'll see that you listen to you and that you actually do what you say you're going to do, which is all listening to you is, then it becomes a lot easier for other people to do it because your life starts to show it. And it shows it in small ways that you don't even think people pay attention to. And they start asking you, hey, I, I want some advice, right? When people start asking you for advice, you know, they're looking and they're realizing you're making differences in your life. And so the first part always, to me, starts with yourself. So just being true to yourself as far as keeping the promises that you keep to yourself, that alone is going to make you, what, more confident? And that confidence is going to affect how other people perceive you? Yes. We're always asking ourselves, why should I listen to this person? Yes. Yes. Everybody, did you hear that? I say that 700 times a day and AJ just said it too. So yes. Yeah. Why should I listen to this person? So behind that why, they're also asking themselves, what results do they have that say they're worth listening to? And we judge the smallest things, right? Did you show up on time? Did you do some of these, what I call master the things that don't require talent? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> have you been asking those, right? If you ask for the things that don't require talent, I'll listen to you more, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So it's the people that I look at and I'm like, you don't do the things that don't require talent. So why would I listen to you on things that, that should? Right. But let's take the case of somebody who does the corporate environment. They do show up on time. They turn in good work, but they don't speak up because they are feeling that what they have to say is not important enough or is not good enough. So I think part of what you're going to say is that you have to see that what you have to say is important. What else would you add to that? I would say know that what you have to say is important and be confident in it because you have the results to back up what you're going to say. I'm actually an introvert myself. Oh, good. 
Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. We're all in the same club, everybody. So, so listen up. <laughs> I'm an introvert. So what I realized was actually being very quiet in meetings was my superpower because when I spoke up, everyone listened. Okay. That's so cool. Because I didn't speak up that often. Right. It doesn't mean that you have to start speaking up all the time. It just means when you do speak up, people are going to be like, wow, oh, did we have to listen because he never says anything or she never says anything or they never say anything. And typically when I spoke up is because I knew what I was talking about. I wasn't just blowing smoke. I had a conviction about what I was saying, right? So whenever you have a conviction, speak up. All right. So if you're hearing that voice inside of you that said, you should mention this, mention it, right? Mention it, mention it. And like I said, realize that being quiet is actually one of our superpowers as introverts. Yes. Because we're always listening. Yes. Amen. That is so true. Everybody take note. I always say it's not that we want to transform ourselves into these chatterboxes. That's why we, in a very short time, have already talked about a lot of different things and given a lot of value because we're not BSing around. We're not flourishing. We're just like saying the thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's so much value in that. So you recommend that everybody learn the skill of selling, which I totally agree with. I think that in my line of work, working with a lot of technical people, or even non-technical people, but they learn even to sell other things, but selling their value that they themselves add. How can we go about that? So the first thing in selling is, number one, being very comfortable and confident in your product and knowing your product. And to me, you'll notice as an introvert, everything is always going to go back to you. Right. You're the first product. So you have to be confident in selling yourself. And selling is this. If I had to make selling very plain, I'm going to give you more in value than you pay for in money. Okay. Okay. Right? So, or, or whatever you pay, if you're paying with time, if you're paying, whatever currency you're paying in, I'm going to give you more value. Right. I like the equivalent of the currency of time. Like if AJ comes to the meeting, we know that he's going to add a lot of value that's going to make that meeting better. Exactly. And so you need to just make that meeting better. Yeah. And, and that's what you do. So you make it better. And all sales is, sales is really an exchange of conviction. Ooh, sales is an exchange of conviction. So tell me what that, let's break that down. That's very interesting. Okay. So if you think about it, when we make a sale, we actually don't have the thing that we're getting. We don't get it until after we exchange, make the exchange. So the only way for me to get you to even make the exchange is you have to buy my conviction first. Right. It's like a statement of faith that I believe that AJ is going to deliver what he says. Exactly. So back in the day, you know, I used to study a lot of salespeople and they used to always preach enthusiasm and used to think enthusiasm that you have to be, you know, yeah, ah, rah, rah, rah. That's not it. Enthusiasm. It actually it's an acronym from the last four letters, which means I am sold myself. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. So I believe that I don't have to convince you to believe me. <laughs> I have to convince you that I believe. Right. And that takes away the neediness, doesn't it? Exactly. Because I have the value. I know where the value is. If I need to show you where the value is, show you that I believe it. And then from believing it, 
then you'll buy it. And if you don't, that's fine. I'll find someone else to buy it. Exactly. If that, if you, I always say, if somebody wants to be dumb, let them be dumb. I mean, let them. Yes. <laughs> if they don't hire you, even though you're the best person for the job, then that's their loss. It's a story that I just read recently. The owner of BlackRock, which is like the company that owns Well, their lead person actually was trying to sell them on some type of software and it didn't go for it. And now he's their competitor. (laughs) Well, there you go. And the CEO said the biggest mistake he made was not buying his idea while he was in the company. Wow. Are y'all listening to that? So if somebody doesn't buy your idea, you might be able to sell it to another company, regardless of economy, right? Don't you think that if you have conviction in your value, then it doesn't matter what's going on in the economy that you're going to land on your feet, right? You'll always land on your feet. We're just like cats. We always land on our feet if we stand on our conviction. Okay. But AJ, I want you to give me our, our audience and exercise. Cause I know there's a lot of people that add value. They do the work. They're highly conscientious, but they don't see the value that they contribute. I think that's a big problem. Is there a question they can ask themselves or an exercise so they can learn to see where they're adding value that they, cause they're waiting for outside validation. They're waiting for the boss to say, Laura, you did such a good job. Thank you. And that doesn't always happen. So talk to me about that. So my mother was a district manager for H&R Block for years. So I grew up around taxes, around money, around, didn't have a lot, but I understood it was important. One of the things that she allowed me to do, and I would tell everybody to do this, whatever you're making, whatever company pays you, right? Mm -hmm. Calculate what you're actually worth to them. And I have two ways that I do this. Number one, I realize that whatever they're paying me, if I'm an employee, then I'm actually costing them about 1.5 to 1.75% of that through unemployment taxes, employee. It's, it's a lot of taxes. Right, all the benefits and the PTO. All of that stuff. So now I know just for this employee, like I, the last corporate job I had, I was making 90000 a year. I think when I calculated it, they were paying like one thirty for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So although my salary said I was at ninety, I realized oh I'm actually one thirty. Right. It started showing me my place in the marketplace. This is where I am in the marketplace. Right. From there, from talking to the owner of the company, I started asking him, you know, how do you gauge the value that we are to you? And he said, we want everybody to bring at least five times to 10 times as much as we paid them. Oh, okay. Okay. So although I was 90,000 to him with the business I was bringing in with all that, I was actually between five hundred and nine hundred thousand dollars worth of value to him. Okay. So that's your real value then. Yes. This is what I tell people. I love employees. I don't think everybody has to be an entrepreneur, but I, I always say you'll never make what you're worth because The difference between what you make and what you're worth is called profit for the company. (laughs) That's right. But you need to know you're still worth that. Yes, exactly. So you assume that confidence when you're in the meetings, making the presentations and so forth. Exactly. That's how much you're worth. 
I never thought about that. So true. Yes. The downside to self-employment is no PTO. And you get bad news if you have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> PTO. That's the one the only thing I miss. No, but that's okay. We'll make up for it in other ways. So that PTO, though, that they're paying you that, but you're worth a lot more. I mean, some of these companies, they get six to eight, nine months off for, you know, when they have a baby or adopt a child. And that's great. But that also shows that your value is so much higher than what you're getting paid, right? Yes, ma'am. That's mind boggling. All right, guys, think about that. So those of you who are wondering, how much am I worth? Or should I speak up? Yes, you should speak up because your company does value. And I think they want you to add more value by contributing more ideas and suggestions, not by pointing out the problems that everybody knows about, right? I'll tell your audience this as well. One way to negotiate if you do want to start taking or getting the self-employment route is by knowing that they actually pay 1.5% more for you. If you ever want to go independent contract, keep your same salary because you just saved them $40,000, $50,000. And now you actually bring home more because taxes coming out. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a great path. And a lot of people for different reasons want to work as contractors because you do have more control over your time. That to me is super, super important. So I have another question for you about improving situations. Let's say that someone is getting pretty well paid. They're working with a top company, but they feel that it's so competitive and people are just throwing each other under the bus. And, you know, it's just like a semi-toxic work environment. You say that you know a way to improve any situation. How do we do that? So number one, you have to check out your programming and understand their programming. In in our lives, all of us have been programmed. Right. Right. That's just what happens as a child. So uh, exercise that I like to do with people is I'll say jingles just to show them that they're programmed. Mm-hmm. So I'll say like, like a good neighbor. Yeah, right? State Farm is there. And, right, right, right. Right. And all of these jingles, we will, we will rock you. Right. All the jingles. Whoever taught us that? So true. You know, I was at a concert or some party, and I was singing the lyrics to songs that I don't even, I don't know who wrote them or anybody. Wow, so true. So you have to realize that we're all programmed. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I need to do is just understand I program, understand their program. And then from there, I understand, okay, your programming is going to make you tick. Your programming decided what your core values were. So then I have to check out my perspective and I have to look at, okay, how have my core values that number one, I didn't choose in the beginning, right? Right. How are they helping me or hindering me at this place in life? Okay. And what core values do I need to have to actually excel at this place? Okay. Well, give us an example from your life because you have such an interesting story. So I'll go back to when I was in corporate and I was getting tossed around, right? Um, one of my one of my core values was always freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, I realized that actually, AJ, you're already free, right? The reason why you feel so frustrated is because you're going for a core value that's not serving you in this situation. So 
maybe your core value needs to be compassion or maybe your core value needs to be achievement. So I actually switched my core value from freedom to actually contribution. Oh, okay. So you just like reframed your whole brain. Yeah, you reprogram yourself. I know it sounds, it's like, can you really do that? You can't. You can, yeah. you can literally reprogram yourself. What happened was, is that with all of the fighting that was going on at corporate, because I was contributing so much, everybody started wanting me on their team. Uh, because you were focused on contribution. I was focused on contribution. Oh, wow. I have struggled with not feeling appreciated, but if I, instead of saying I value being appreciated, I just value helping people. Exactly. And then the appreciation doesn't matter so much. No, because you're getting fulfillment from the contribution from helping. I don't need you to acknowledge, right? When I give food to a homeless person, I don't need them to acknowledge me. Right, right. Me giving to them was the feeling that I was going for. Because we're, it, it's, it's, we're always looking to change two things. We either want to change our feeling or our behavior. Right, right. right? So knowing that, and that's the communication part. So I exactly. have to with myself, right? So AJ, you're frustrated. Why? Is mm -hmm. it a behavior? Is it a feeling? Mm-hmm. Okay. At corporate, it was a feeling. It's a feeling, yeah. I don't feel that they value me. That's what I hear all the time. Exactly. I don't feel appreciated. Yes. Well, how do I change that feeling? Well, I can change it from wanting to be appreciated to wanting to contribute. Okay. So if I contribute, and that's where my mind is, then I'm going to just start contributing, and I'll find Joe from that. And from there, literally, I started having VPs from every department. Hey, can I take you lunch? Can, hey, you making this person look good? When I was working, this was my model. The owner's worst two days was the employee's favorite days. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday? <laughs> no, payday. Oh, payday. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Payday. Because they have this chest full of money, and then on payday, it all goes out. So we're happy because we're getting paid, but they just had to make payroll. Right, exactly. Gotcha. Yep. So I wanted to contribute to where the owner would be happy to pay me because he knew he didn't steal. Oh, wow. Very cool. I love that. I think that is so powerful. And I'm just thinking, like, and it doesn't even have to be contribute. It could be uh, learning, you know, because even these terrible situations where you are feeling good, you're probably learning. And then, like you said earlier, <laughs> this will be a good story one day. Exactly. Is there a list of the most common or the most useful values that you could share? Or If you just sit down and if your audience just writes, what do I like? What do I want? Happiness, peace, warmth, comfort, love, compassion, being appreciated, right? Anything that you want from another person or that you feel like you need to have, feel good, those are your values. Right. But... I think when your values are dependent on how other people behave, then there's an issue with that. There is. That's why you want to switch them to values you control. So going back to the part when I said that a lot of our values, we didn't choose them. Right. Right. I started consciously choosing my value. Okay. Okay. And reprogramming your own and, brain. And reprogramming myself. Yes. And the way you reprogram yourself very quickly is you just keep it in front of you. Right, right. Write it down. Yeah, you write it down. I put it on your phone. You give yourself little pats on the back when you do it. I contributed. That's what I want to do. 
I contribute. It doesn't matter if they acknowledge me or not. I know I acknowledge myself. Exactly. And that's where your confidence comes. And that's where your paycheck will grow. When your acknowledgement of yourself becomes more beneficial and more important than the acknowledgement of others, you win. Okay, guys, that is so valued. All of you who feel like you're not valued at work and you're saying, Laura, I can't go get another job because of the economy. Let's just reframe this. Think about what is really important. And certainly contribution or helping or learning is going to bring you more meaning than just hoping that you get appreciated or recognized by others. Sometimes you'll get it and sometimes you won't, but it's out of your control. I love that. That's extremely powerful. So you can improve any situation by going deeper, I would say. Don't think, you know, on the superficial level, you can say, well, I'm not being appreciated or I'm not being valued here, but I am learning. I am helping. Exactly. So everything to me is about progress, right? Right. Even with learning, with growing, I got to a point to where I stopped learning. I stopped growing. Then I knew it was time If I can't find a way to learn or grow in a situation, then it's time to change the situation. Right, right. and That's not a bad thing because I'm still progressing. Exactly. I have two more things I want to ask you about, and then I want to talk about why you're in Columbia. But I know you wrote a book about grading yourself, and as a former teacher, that really caught my attention. (laughs) How does that work, AJ? How do we grade ourselves? How do you know we're not cheating? (laughs) So actually, I started grading myself so I wouldn't cheat. Oh, okay. Because when I was sleeping in my car, what I would realize is I didn't have a standard for what a great day was. Mm -hmm. Everything was based on my feelings. But feelings are so subjective. There would be days where I would literally accomplish nothing, but I felt great all day. You're right. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is a great day. Actually, it wasn't because I didn't get anything accomplished. (laughs) Right. But then there were days that I actually accomplished everything I needed to do, but I felt miserable. And I started realizing, okay, every successful business has an accounting system. And the reason they do is because they want to be able to look back and at any time tell you where they were, where the health of their business was. So I wanted to know where the health of my actions were. Okay. So start with simple things. Walk for 45 minutes right? Doing the things that what I call your non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Did you get them done, right? right? If you get them done, then you had a great day. You're getting great out at an A. Right. Okay. I like that. And what I realized was if I wanted to have a great life, then I needed to have a great month. I needed to have great weeks and I needed to have great days. So then you start stringing great days together. So let's say you're writing a book, mm-hmm. right? Even with the podcast, because you've been so consistent putting it out, right? You went up in the charts. If you look at that, there was some consistency that took place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even when you didn't want to do it, even when you didn't like it, you still did it. That would give you an A, right? Right. It's almost like keeping your word. Every time I keep my word to what I said I was going to do, I get an A. And it's pass or fail. Okay. Did I do it or did I not do it? Right. Very cool. And so, yeah, if you were true to yourself as far as doing what you agreed to do, you get a good grade and eventually that builds that self-esteem and an authentic confidence. To me, that's the only kind of confidence that counts is the one that you can back up with action. 
I grade myself on that I read 10 pages today. Mm-hmm. I make the, the the business calls I was supposed to make today. If you have an engineer have a project that they were supposed to work on, did I work on it, right? Did I focus that time or was I sidetracked by other things, right? So anything that you have, you can put it on there. I try to keep the list less than 10. Okay. I don't like grading more than 10 things. <laughs> and then I do an average. So I'll take the week. Right. Because it's past or fail. So did I do it? And if I did, you know, five days out of week, five days out of five for my business work, we mm-hmm. made an A. If I didn't, I'm four out of five. I think I'm at an 80. Right. So when it's from there. And then when it's time to level up or see where I am, it's not a mystery. I can look back at my grade. Right. And say, well, how did you grade out in this area? I mean, the proof is in the pudding, as my mother used to say. Exactly. So that book is called what? Grade Yourself? It's called Day Grades. Anybody interested, you can find that book on Amazon. But with college and high school graduations coming up, I think that would be a really good gift to help. Because I'm dealing with people who are good in school. So that programs them, to use your language, in a certain way that tends to be reactive because you did the work you get an A. You do the work, you get an A. You do the work, you get an A. And that also works in corporate to a certain level, and then it doesn't work because, oh, who knows you? Who's going to promote you? You know, how many people have heard of you? It becomes not just about the work. Yeah, it becomes about relationships. I mean, but in corporate, so even when I graded myself in corporate, it was, did I go to lunch with the right people? Yes, because a lot of people are rightly trying to build their internal networks. You should be building your internal network. And that would be something you could grade yourself because maybe it's uncomfortable making that call to set up a lunch or even a virtual coffee with someone. But if you do it, then you get a good grade. You get a good grade. And it isn't dependent on if they say yes or not a lot of times. It was, did I ask them? Right. Right. I can only control the outcome that I control. Did right. I ask them to go to lunch or get a coffee? Or, and if I asked them, that was an A, right? If I put myself out there, and you got to think about it, I was putting myself out there to be rejected. Right, right. That's what we're all afraid of is being rejected. But you know what? You'll you'll survive. <laughs> so you guys listening, I know most of you were very good students. So you can continue that by grading yourself and giving yourself, well, it's only pass fail, but you could give yourself an A. <laughs> well, you can because that averages out. So it averages out over the week. So at the end of the week, you'll know, like, I may have gotten an F on Monday, but I did the rest of the work Tuesday through Friday, so I graded out at an 80. And then people that are used to getting good grades, they're like, oh, no, I need an A. So they right. Yeah, that, that's the people that are listening to this. They're the, they want an A+. plus. Exactly. So then you start doing what's required to get an A. And a lot of it is just things that you know in your heart you should do. Right. We put it off because it's like, oh, I don't know if I should, especially in the introverts. Yes, because we're introverts. And then it's not on our KPIs to be graded on at work, but you're grading yourself. And that's much more important. And that brings us back to our first point today was that that confidence comes from you being confident in yourself. And if you're a good student on your own system, then you're going to attract more positive reactions from people and you'll be the person worth listening to. So my last question before we get to what you're up to right now is, is there anything else on mindset that we need to hear from you? So the one thing on mindset that I would tell people is that always let it expand. 
And the only way you do that is to continue to get out of your comfort zone. Oh, it's uh, so uncomfortable. <laughs> I actually have a exercise for your listeners if they're willing. Yeah, lay it on us. If they're willing. And the reason I have people do this exercise is because it's one of the things that changed my life in Medellin because it put me out of my comfort zone every day. It mimics life, right? Because I believe whenever we start something new, it feels like it's unbearable. And then it goes from unbearable to uncomfortable. And then it goes from uncomfortable to enjoyable, right? So one of the things that I did for two years was I started taking cold showers every morning. Oh, my gosh. Did you? I know. And it's because cold showers are one of those things. And I do it for integrity purposes. Because nobody in the world cares if I turn on the hot water. Right. Right. They really literally do not care. Or will know. <laughs> or, or will know. Exactly. Right. When I look at myself in the mirror, I will. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You're inspiring me. Okay. Cold showers. Fortunately, the weather's getting warmer here, so it won't be so hard. I remember the first hard, extremely hard, when I took it, I had a speaking engagement in Delaware, and it was 30 degrees. Oh. And I took a cold shower, and I felt like I was going to freeze. But I was mentally tough. Right. But I bet it was a short shower. No, I actually stay in until I get comfortable. You actually can get comfortable in the cold water? It's almost like if you ever think about jumping in a swimming pool, no matter how cold the water is, your body eventually adapts to it. Okay. Because I have taken cold showers, but I have never gotten comfortable. So I, I see, I just didn't stay in long yeah, enough. Yeah, you didn't stay in long. But that's life to me. Most of us go out while it's uncomfortable. Yes, of course. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That was a multi-million dollar tip there. Take a cold shower just to expand yourself and challenge yourself. And I think given that we have such comfortable lives, it really, I mean, nobody's hunting their own food. That's why I started doing it, because my life got too comfortable. Yeah, That's exactly why I started doing it. And you talk about communicating with yourself, you will communicate with yourself in a cold shower. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, <laughs> why am I doing this? This is stupid. Who told me to do this? I hate him. I don't like him. That's what I'm like. <laughs> Where's AJ? Exactly. Your brain has said all of these things. So, <laughs> But it's one of those things. Once you do it, what I realized was whatever happened the rest of the day was easier because I started my day doing something hard. I love that. I love it because it's doable and it doesn't take a long time. Even the 45-minute walk, which or exercise is also good, but... Even if you can't do that, you can take a five-minute shower. That is awesome. So, AJ, this has been so inspirational. I mean, I just feel more better. How's that for bad English? AJ, as you can tell, is American. He sounds American. He's American as apple pie, but he's living in Colombia, South America. Why would you move to Medellin? I wanted something different. The thing that shocks people is I'd never visited Medellin before I moved here. Oh my gosh, that is shocking. <laughs> I never, I read about it. I thought it sounded cool. I was at a place where my life was good. And I was like, ah, if I don't like it, I'll leave in six months. But the blessing in sleeping in my car was I had finally faced my boogeyman. So moving to Medellin wasn't scary because I'd already faced my boogeyman. Right. Like, have to sleep in a car, been there, done that. Yeah, it's like, yo, I can have money saved up. I can fly back. It's not a problem. But I wanted to learn Spanish and I wanted to immerse myself 
And I liked how people in Colombia spoke Spanish, especially in Medellin. I thought it was a more cleaner Spanish. Came down here and, and in five years, most people think I'm bilingual. So, Oh, cool. You've been there five years. That is so awesome. I applaud you. Well, AJ, this has been so helpful. I love all the exercises that you've given people and everybody who's listened. You now know what you can do to become that person where people go, oh, Bullia said something. We need to listen to what she says because she doesn't talk all the time. She's not a chatterbox. And the mindset and the values, the selling, the seeing your own value, all that is just literally life-changing. So if people want to learn more about your philosophy and your story and your exercises, maybe they want to bring you to their team. How can they get in touch with you? So all my social media is at AJ Vassar, at AJ Viz and Victor, A-S-S-A-R. All my social media. So yeah, just contact. I'm a regular person. I check. <laughs> I reach out. I just have fun. Life is great. It is. Well, the question that I have for everybody is how can this value that we're giving, how can this be free to everybody listening? I don't know, but it's, I think that we're very generous people and you guys are welcome. And I know you enjoyed listening to AJ and learning his tips and his whole philosophy. And he definitely has walked the walk. So I appreciate everybody tuning in and we will see you on the next episode. Have a good day. Bye-bye.